I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking to Dan Mills, the CEO of the Home Builders Association of Greater New Orleans. This industry organization recently passed a resilient re-roofing resolution designed to enhance long-term housing resiliency and hopefully attract property insurance carriers back to coastal Louisiana. Dan Mills, welcome to the podcast. Rich, thanks so much for having me on. This is such a critical issue for our area in the Home Builders Association. As the voice of residential housing for 80 years has really been looking into this uh, with uh, with you know uh, a, a lot of concern over the last year, and and we've just seen it go from bad to worse, and uh, we are we are working on some sincere solutions that we believe are going to help us not only in the shorter term but in the long term. Well, I'm excited to hear them. I mean, the problem for those who might not know, although everyone knows, is that. We've been hit by a bunch of storms that caused billions of dollars of damage and claims. Weaker insurance companies either folded or left. And now the state legislature is about to have a special session trying to think of ways we can lure the industry back to help insure people's you know, property, commercial and residential. We've been looking at what other states are doing, neighboring states, other people that are exposed to the same kind of uh, dangers that we are. And the, the thought of improving the build quality to be more resilient to storms seems like one of the avenues that people are very interested in. Can you explain what these resilient building building techniques are and how they work, how they get paid for, and how they might help? Yeah, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that when we're faced with worsening weather conditions and increasing intensity of storms, it makes sense to have stronger, more resilient homes that we're building and putting out there. And so as home builders, that is, of course, in our wheelhouse and something that we're looking at very closely. The situation with insurance worldwide is upside down. So the insur- the reinsurance individuals all over the world have found that they have lost money. And that is really a driver of the rates overall. So from a macro standpoint, this is the concern. And so whether you're dealing with fire insurance in California, flood insurance across the the east and Gulf Coast, wind and hail insurance, particularly in the wind uh, areas of the Gulf Coast. Uh, These are all complicated by the fact that our carriers, the insurance carriers, whose business it is to write these risks and are willing to write these risks, are facing significant increased costs through the global reinsurance market. So that's a that's a key thing to understand as we talk about insurance challenges. And, and just so, to be clear, Dan, uh, the, the reinsurance is essentially the insurance for the insurance companies. Exactly. So an insurance company has so much money in reserves, and then they'll have a risk pool of some amount. And so the difference between their exposure and the amount of money they have in the bank must be insured through the reinsurance markets. Right. Understood. So the fact that the the reinsurers have had to pay so much to the insurers has caused this crisis to get exacerbated. Absolutely. So here in Louisiana, to to look at what's happening with us, first, we were faced with increases through the flood insurance of our national flood insurance program. Risk rating 2.0 came out. We're seeing dramatic increases in flood insurance across our region. 
and we initiated a task force to look at those issues. This is a national program. It's a challenge for us to work on. We uh, have joined with forces with GNO Inc. and the Coalition for Sustainable Flood Insurance to address that issue. And it's it's a little separate because it's a national issue. Um, the second issue in the task force that's been facing another task force dealing with wind and hail. So, you know, four major hurricanes and then Ida has just pulverized the insurance market for wind and hail in our area. In many as uh, eight of our insurance carriers went bankrupt and several others have pulled out of our area. So we have a critical shortage of wind and hail providers of insurance in our area. So that's that's a major issue right there. Right. And it seems like the result of that has been a lot of folks now have had to have their policies written by citizens, by the insurer of last resort for the state. So for those of us with federally backed mortgages, we must have wind and hail insurance on our properties. And if there are no insurance carriers that are willing and or able to write that policy, then we fall back to the insurer of last resort, which is the Louisiana Citizens Group. And that is not an insurance company. That is a fund. And that is on born on the backs of Louisiana citizens. We went from twenty about 20,000 policies and citizens pre-IDA to over 130,000 policies today. Mm. So the risk pool that they face requires substantial reinsurance purchase. And that has led to a 63% increase in residential rates as of January 1st, and previously uh, more than 70% increase in commercial rates. So whether you rent or you own, you're being hit by these insurance costs. And it is in the words of insurance commissioner Jim Donnellan, ruinous for our community. Right. And so we don't know when the next storm is coming. Maybe we'll be extremely fortunate and you'll get another long stretch like we'd had before Ida and all that, where, where we don't have a lot of damaging winds, but it could also later this year, we could get pounded again. So obviously the insurance companies are, are leery <laughs> or just rightfully so. They don't want to come in and lose a bunch of money. So here we are with with people discussing different solutions and building tougher is, seems to be one of the ones that's gaining traction. Can you talk about that? What, what does it mean? What are the actual techniques and things people can do to make their house less, uh, less uh, vulnerable to these winds? So the key here is that we want to attract insurance carriers back to our market so that we can reduce the number of policies and citizens and make available to our residents affordable housing uh, insurance. So there's a two-pronged approach. The first is insurance commissioner's plan to do incentivization. He's trying to get money in a special session that will be used to incentivize those carriers to come back. But this is a Band-Aid approach in our view right. because it will only bring them back. And then if we have another storm down the road, they may be out the door again. So um, so we've got to you know look at other solutions. The other solution is the long-term resiliency, and that's what we've been very focused on. So the carriers, the producers, the insurancer, the insurers out there tell us they're willing to write the risks, but what they don't know is what our housing stock is like and how resilient those roofs are. So if they're going to come in and make a bet on insuring our homes, they want to know what we have in place. So 
The first thing is we've got to produce something that's more resilient. So to tackle that issue last year, we supported the, impl the implementation of an upgrade to the International Residential Codes of 2021, which is the latest version, and it will provide for our installation of the most resilient housing on the Gulf Coast. That was approved and implemented and became the law as of January 1st. So all new construction that is permitted and inspected will have to comply to the new IRCs and significant improvements to resilience, particularly in roofs, is included, which means uh, four inch, uh, I'm sorry, six inch spacing on nail grids uh, on the roof decking, uh, a minimum uh, thickness of that roof decking. We also will, instead of just having clips, you notice we didn't lose a lot of roofs in Ida, but we lost a lot of shingles. The damage came because water penetration occurred. So water penetration went in between those sheets on the roof, and then it went into the ceilings, and our ceilings collapsed, and we had inside damage. That was the real cost of damages. And it also, by the way, put us out of our homes, right, while we're getting those repairs done. So the new code requires that you have taped seams that will provide a waterproof threshold within uh, a double barrier underneath before the shingles go down. So the idea here is to create a waterproof membrane on that roof so that even if we lose the shingles, Coming back and replacing shingles is not a lot of money. But even if we lose the shingles, we don't get water penetration through that deck surface. That's the key. That's what the new code aims to ensure we have in place throughout the wind zone areas of the Gulf Coast and particularly South Louisiana. That's really interesting. So some percentage, a large percentage of the damage came from water damage when the roofs were somewhat intact. The roof wasn't destroyed. It wasn't blown away, but you lost enough shingles for water to penetrate beneath the shingles. And then the seams allowed the water to intrude, cause the ceilings inside to have water damage, maybe collapse. And then that, then you get all the damage to in the interior of the house. That's a common scenario. This challenge is responsible for perhaps up to 90% of the cost of claims wow. was because of water penetration through the roof deck after those shingles came off. That's amazing. So the so the new code, the IR, the uh, the residential codes of 2021 that we've adopted, um, will solve that problem. The challenge that we have is that it solves the problem for new housing. Exactly. <laughs> but when we go and we do new roofs, there's very little oversight uh, and very little data collected when those roofs are done because. Uh, a licensed contractor may very well go to the parish and let them know, hey, we're installing this. But most of our municipalities do not require at this time permitting an inspection on re-roofs. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. But one of the biggest issues is uh, personnel. We need enough people to, to process that. And then the second aspect, particularly on the inspection part, is that re-roofing is extremely time sensitive because a crew may come in, uh, remove down to the deck the roof that you have and replace that in a 24 hour period. And we need to do that because rain, as you know, in our area can be on us in a couple of hours. And so when we talk about inspection, the challenge that we face is getting an inspector out there in a timely manner to inspect the work that's really hard to do in a closed window with a short staff um, at most of our municipalities. So we're very concerned about inspection there. But on the other hand, we are very adamant that we've got to enforce the new code. We need to make sure that people are following the code. The Home Builders Association has always been about ensuring the code is implemented appropriately. We want to make sure that's happening. 
Um, but we also have to make sure that those work stops don't happen, not just because of the contractor, but because it puts those homes in peril while that repair is happening. If we have to wait for an inspector for two, three, or four days, which is not uncommon in the building industry, that puts substantial risk on that home if it's opened up to the elements. So that is a real challenge. So we have proposed that a change be made to allow an exception, and this is a, a critical exception on a very small part of the rules dealing with digital evidence for inspection. So there's an act called 338, and we are allowing, uh, we are advocating for an exception to rule to Act 338 to allow digital uploads. So we would define, currently it's not defined, but we would define some series of photographs that would be documented using an app with geolocation services so that it can be tied to the address of the property under a permit, and then a series of photographs to show the decking is down, to show the nail pattern that's being used, to show the seams have been taped, and to show the underlayment that's been put in place, and then to show a pattern of the shingle application. Um, we think something like that, but we're, we'll work with the municipalities to define exactly what those series of photographs look like. But we want to allow for a permit to be filed, let the work go, and then allow those photographs, the geolocated photographs to be submitted to show the progress of the work for the code officials to then say, yes, this was done according to the code. And now we begin a data pool that insurance carriers can look at and know here the roofs have been replaced. They're following this code. And they're going to come in and insure us if that happens. So it's it's really critical that we're, we're able to do that um, at some level. So you're saying it, it, you have to do that job very quickly. There's no time to get the inspectors to come to each and every one. So you use technology to, uh, to be able to document that these are legitimate photos showing that this work was completed to code. Then that goes into a database, gives insurers confidence. And as you build, as that database grows, you see a higher and higher percentage of housing stock has this, has this better technique. It makes us more insurable. That's correct. And I want to make sure that I'm emphasizing that this is a very narrow exception. We are not asking for digital evidence on new construction. We are not allowing for digital evidence on other aspects. This would be a fine exception for permits related exclusively to re-roofing as we go through. Um, right. There can be challenges with photographic evidence on these inspections. We're not you know, necessarily in favor of that. But right now we have no oversight and inspection on these roofs. And we want to have something and we need to do something that is uh, able to deal with this time sensitivity issue. So we are asking for this because right now it's not legal to do photo inspections. So we are asking for an exception for this very narrow application so that we can meet the installation and time requirements that's necessary when dealing with re-roofs. So in a new construction home, we want an inspector out there looking at this every day of the week. But if we're going in and doing a re-roof where right now we have no permitting and no inspection, we're allowed, we're asking for permits and we're asking for inspections through digital means so that we don't have a work stop on the job. And that will then create a pool of data available to provide assurance to those insurance carriers of what's being installed. So imagine you're an insurance carrier and you're looking at several different states, and you're thinking, where am I going to go in and offer my, my insurance, my resources? They're going to look at Louisiana and South Carolina and Florida and others, and they're going to say, um, what do I know about these markets? 
<laughs> and right now, if they go to South Carolina, they've got permitting and, and, and inspection data. They can look and they can say, okay, so 30% of the roofs in this area have been replaced in the last seven years. They were held to this code standard. They did this and that and the other. That means that they understand the risk and they're more than willing to go in and write that policy. When they look at Louisiana, they're willing to come here. They understand that there is a market here uh, that needs to be serviced. But they don't have any information on the housing stock, which means they have to make a blind bet. They're they're betting on information that they don't know. And when they have to do that, they have to hedge that bet. They've got to charge more money to overcome that. Or the other alternative is to inspect every home themselves to the extent that they can so that they better understand the risk. And that, of course, is very labor intensive. And that pushes up our insurance prices. So we need our municipalities and our state to be able to have the data set necessary to attract those insurance carriers back to Louisiana. That is the long-term solution. Our increasing storms, our, our exposures here require more resilient housing, and we need to show the insurance industry that we have taken that seriously and we are implementing more resilient structures so that they will feel comfortable to come back and, and do business uh, and service our communities. I talked to someone a couple of days ago about this problem and I was asking for solutions and this expert gave a really grim answer and said, there aren't a lot of solutions. And in the long term, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of the New Orleans economy start to move north and, uh, you know, and so on. And so it was just a very doom and gloom answer. I got to say, this conversation here makes me feel optimistic because if you tell me 90% of the insurance claims came from essentially what seal tab asphalt shingles being unsecured allowing water to intrude through seams causing all sorts of interior damage if that's 90 percent of the problem when these when these hurricanes come what it sounds like to me is if you if you could somehow wave a magic wand and give every structure in south louisiana a better roof you know almost all the risk would be handled now i know that's a huge simplification i'm so excited that louisiana took the step to adopt the IRC 2021. These codes, these are international standards. They're best practices. They have applications for wind zones, such as where we are in South Louisiana. And they are the most resilient codes enforced anywhere on the Gulf Coast. I'm thrilled that that's happening. And it's about bringing insurance back, but it's about providing safety and security in our homes. And when we talk about, uh, you know, being impacted by these storms, you know, Part of the biggest issue is being out of your house. You know, if you get that water penetration, if a ceiling comes down, you can't be in the home. It's not safe. You've got contaminants, uh, you know, so you have to be out of that home. And that is costly. It's it's very difficult. Many people don't have the resources to overcome that. You're displaced away from not only your home, but often from your business. It's That's disastrous, extremely costly. It's stressful. And it's it's a major problem. If we can implement the IRC 2021. We're going to be ensuring a waterproof membrane underneath those shingles. If we lose some shingles, that's okay. The shingles are for 130 mile an hour winds. You're going to get 150, 160 mile an hour gusts. You're going to lose shingles. Uh, you know, it, it's highly unlikely we're ever going to put anything there that will be impermeable to this. But if we can have that waterproof membrane and minimize that water intrusion across that roof deck, roof is everything. Once we stop the water from coming in, you may lose some shingles, uh, but you can have somebody come out and change those shingles relatively inexpensively. If we can stop that water intrusion and our ceilings stay in place and our electrical is not impacted, 
then we can be back in our homes quicker. We can minimize the cost of repairs and we we get rid of all of those other expenses associated. You know, most of us, if we had a few shingles blow off, it's not even worth a deductible on our insurance policy. So the insurance companies are sure to like that. <laughs> right. You just have someone come out and, you know, hop up there and replace the shingles. Now, this is a poor city. There's plenty of people that live in homes that are 50 to 100 years old, and they might not have $50,000 or whatever the cost is now to put a new roof on your house. So as the federal government's you know, thinking about all the infrastructure work and this and that and the other thing and the streets and the highways, I mean, should there be Gulf Coast roof infrastructure federal plans where, hey, if you can pay this much, uh, you know, there'll be a subsidy of this much from the state or the federal government to help get your get yourself in a stronger situation? So- it may not be familiar to most that are not in construction, right? But the international codes, the the ICC, the International Code Council, puts together best practices for, for building construction. This is done with a huge, broad-based group of stakeholders from many different interests so that we can arrive at the best solution while minimizing the impact of special interests, right? We need to make sure that we have broad-based solutions here. Um, when those codes are brought out, the individual states have the ability to look at that and say, what makes sense for our area? And so we can then, you know, go into that and say, what's going to make sense for Louisiana? So we're in control of that. And when I say we, I'm talking about the citizens through representation, through government legislation in Louisiana. It's the LSU CCC and our legislators uh, that determine what those are going to be. And we get a broad based consensus. Now, with that said, it's it's our job. That becomes law. That's what we need to implement. Um, with that said, we always walk the line of affordability and safety. So we can make something safer. It's going to make it more costly. We can make something more resilient. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us a little bit more money to put taping on all those seams for those roofs. Uh, but the savings in insurance over the long term and the increased safety within our homes should more than pay for that. So as the home builders, we're, we're in very much in support of that. With that said, there are other associations out there that have done things that we refer to as beyond code. So a good example of that is Fortified Roof. So Fortified Roof has been touted. It's been used in Alabama. They have 35,000 Fortified implementations in, in Alabama, which is great. Um, Fortified is an independent group that uses research to determine how they're going to do this. Um, what's going to work the best, but it's not that broad-based input. And Fortified is also a targeted solution. So not every home can be brought to the Fortified standard. The code has a solution for every home and every structure that is out there. Um, but Fortified is very easy to say uh, an insurance agent or a realtor, hey, you're having trouble getting insurance, go get Fortified. And they have their own evaluators and their own uh, installers, and they're associated with the insurance companies so that the insurance companies feel confident and they feel assured that those installations are, are happening at a certain standard. It's fortified as we implement, business? they're nonprofit. Uh -huh. And as we, but as we implement code, it's so close to the fortified standard that I can tell you, I believe fortified is just going to run along on its coattails because if we're installing a code, you know, it's going to be a matter of a couple of boxes of ring shank nails to get it to the point where you can be fortified and get a certification for that. So people are going to say, I want that fortified. Okay, well, it's going to be 500 bucks more, a thousand dollars more if you want to get that certificate. 
Um, and, and a lot of people are just going to do that. And so uh, I think it's going to come in and we're going to see a lot. And that's how it happened in Alabama as well. They upgraded their code. They put the standards in place. And pretty soon people said, well, I want to get this cert- this fortified certificate. Uh, we've worked on getting, you know, they worked on getting some insurance discounts and this and that. Um, and it came right along. And today it's a market demand. You know, it's not a law that you have to get fortified. But most people that buy homes or build homes in, in coastal Alabama, they don't do it without going fortified because they understand the value. They understand what it's there. That, you know, it, it takes a lot of pressure off of, of code and that kind of thing, because our concern is the safety of every structure. And we want to make sure that we're doing what we need to do while also not making sure that it's completely cost prohibitive. Now, uh, you, I, I can be less careful about what I say than you. So I'll just say that as I think about all this, it really sounds to me like, you know, if if, if taxpayers are having to bail out <laughs> or, or or basically insure us here in these in these vulnerable parts of the state, and the federal government has to, you know, do the flood insurance program, and we get these huge storm events, and it's very costly, what billions and billions of dollars. Uh, it, it makes sense to me if, uh, if there's some kind of taxpayer funded program to do some kind of re-roofing. Uh, I'll just, that seems like a solution in the long run, long, you know, big picture, but uh, especially using these standards that you're talking about. But um, I, I'm curious, uh, besides the roof, right? The roof, which seems to be the biggest problem. What are some of the other vulnerable areas that other like 10% of, of, of wind and storm damage, what, what usually causes it? Is it windows and things? What happens? You know, windows is an area of concern, a big one, uh, and one that is often underappreciated is garage door openings. So a lot of times we see that a garage door gets hit, it gets impacted by a piece of debris and and breaks that open. And now you have an opening in the envelope of that structure and the wind can go in, it can take the roof off. If that's an attached garage, that can have huge impacts on your home. That's, That's a big area of vulnerability. So reinforcing the, those garage doors are, are really critical. Um, look, you know, we we adopted a uniform code after Katrina, and that helped bring insurance carriers back. And since Katrina, the structures that have been built to that code have suffered very little structural damage. Uh, those, those codes have done their job. They've demonstrated the safety and resiliency. So this new code and its particular interest in roofing resiliency is critical because you know we're not we're not million dollar homes on the beachfront of Florida or Alabama here in South Coastal Louisiana. We are fishermen, we are service industry people, we are uh, working out at Michu uh, for our space industry. We are working the docks and bringing in thirty percent of our container traffic in the United States and exporting the grain. We are doing uh, liquid natural gas, which is going to be the largest export port uh, in the United States, maybe one of the top three in the world, as we seek to help, uh, you know, with the European needs for that particular commodity. Look, there's no option for us to move. This is where that commercial activity has to happen. You can't be an oyster farmer and live in, in Shreveport, you know. You, you've got to be down here. You've got to be on the water. You can't do that job anywhere else. Um, liquid natural gas, the infrastructure that we have for that is here. The port and the container facilities require a deep water port. That's here. Um, these industries need workers um, that are going to make a living wage 
And that living wage needs to be able to pay for housing. And so we've got to find solutions and we've got to look at that. And, you know, I'll, I'll take a step back and tell you that, you know, at the larger level, the issues that we face with FEMA through the National Flood Insurance Program is, is very concerning. You know, I, I'm in an X zone. I don't even have to have flood insurance. I'm in a house that hasn't flooded since 1970. And uh, I'm going from $600. My rate's going to go up to $3,400. 18% a year for the next seven or eight years. Well, that's, you know, for someone that's on a fixed income that faces that kind of scenario, they would go from $50 a month to almost $300 a month. That's a huge impact. And when we look at the, the wind uh, and the wind and hail, you know, policies that were already extremely expensive in the United States at say five or $6,000, some of those policies are going to nine and $10,000. I worry about folks that live here, you know, uh, that are on fixed incomes because these folks, you know, if they still have a mortgage on their home, uh, and even if they don't, if they can't afford to self-insure, which the vast majority of it cannot, um, they can be out of their home. These are price structures that can put people out of their home, causing them to default on mortgages. And so it's critical. We It is incumbent upon all of us to find solutions to these things. One of the issues is that's been discussed is a cat insurance. So instead of having uh, a an, an NFIP that deals with only flood, talking about a national catastrophe plan that folks in California can be covered for fire, uh, earthquake, we can look at flood, we can look at wind and hail, because, for example, in NFIP, only 30% of mortgage holders participate in the flood program. So that means uh, who's who's buying those policies? People that are at risk. So you know they they are um, ponying up the money. We don't buy the fire insurance like they have in California. We don't buy earthquake insurance out here. They need us to buy those things. If we had a, a catastrophe plan, and, and this is uh, you know just just thinking about this, not any kind of official recommendation from from HBA uh, or even our national association. But if we were to look at that and we were to be able to ensure that all uh, federally insured mortgages participated in the CAT plan, it may be possible if we can get the uh, underwriting correctly, if we, can get the, if we can get the statistics correct, then it may be possible that we're spreading risk across every federally insured mortgage that we can cover these catastrophes at a far more effective price range, a far more affordable price range. So. Um, Look, that's that's uh, above my pay grade. Uh, that's above a lot of people's pay grade. And uh, with a, a very difficult federal uh, elected uh, environment, it can be a real challenge to get there. But um, at the end of the day, uh, we're going to need to address this. Uh, we are seeing you know, increased risks. We can look at the global reinsurance market and know that we are seeing increased damages to properties. And we are going to have to find uh, tenable, long-term, sustainable solutions that will allow us to meet the needs of uh, residents and communities across the United States. Absolutely. And now, and as a final remark, as, you, as you're thinking about this special session that's coming up and as Louisiana legislators are thinking about solutions, is there any wish you have for the, for the next few weeks about uh, what can happen to help give us a more secure future? As you know, the, the special session is very narrowly defined. They're going to be focused entirely on the uh, incentivization program and trying to find some funds for that. 
and I and I do think that is uh, that is one leg of a multi-legged stool that we need to be building to support uh, our, our our community here. Um, and so I, I hope that that goes well. What I can say is I hope that uh, we have a, a great partner in Jefferson Parish, which is where we're starting. We had a good meeting with them. We have a great relationship with uh, with many of our representatives at the Senate and in the House for Louisiana. And I hope that we can find uh, a path forward to provide for inspections so that we can ensure the new codes that we were all so proud of that we passed can be inspected in a way that won't have that work stop. So again, we're we're pushing really hard to get an amendment to Act 338, specifically uh, RS 40. 1730 section 23 needs a very small exception for that window of re-roofing permits for municipal. We're not demanding that municipalities implement this. We're recommending that they do, but we don't want to dictate from the state level. So we just want the digital evidence component. And then we believe we can work with our local municipalities for implementation as we move forward. Sounds like a worthy cause. Dan Mills of the Home Builders Association of Greater New Orleans, thank you for the thoughts and your time. Rich, thanks so much for, for having me on. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.